When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football is back and so is winning season at my bookie. Use promo code Gators on a deposit of $50 or more and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your my bookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators and use code 50Gators for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. Find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Here we are. It's Florida, Tennessee week. Tennessee coming to the swamp Saturday night for the SEC opener for the Gators. Electric atmosphere, night game, prime time, Kirk and Herbie. Well, not Kirk and Herbie. Chris and Herbie. There we go. Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit on the call. So a lot of eyeballs on this. Not a lot of big games this week in college football. So Florida, Tennessee have plenty of eyeballs on it right here. Saturday night in the swamp. And we'll break it down with my good buddy Mike Laval. Last word on college football. Uh, knows Tennessee pretty, pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, and has kind of the kind of same path I've been on. You're a big-time fan, covers the team as well, so uh, you get a lot of good insight there. Look, you know about Florida. We're going to know about Tennessee after we talk to Mike, and then after that, I'll talk about the matchup between the two teams, between the Gators and the Vols. Everybody hit that like button, subscribe if you haven't done so yet right here on Gators Breakdown YouTube. Thanks for hopping on and checking out the video version. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast version, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform as well if you haven't done so yet. And, of course, hey, big uh, big week this week, of course, for Florida Victorious. Friday at the Swamp from 4 to 6, the Swamp Restaurant, 4 to 6. If you're a Florida Victorious member, come hang out. Baseball players, basketball players, Get 20% off your first month of Florida Victorious using promo code GatorsBD, and you get access to events like that. There's a freshman series up as well on Florida Victorious where you get to hear from these true freshmen. Uh, the 96 Club is having their event Sunday uh, at Spurrier's Restaurant, so if you want to join the 96 Club, you can take part in that as well. Hang out with some of the 96 National Championship team uh, Sunday at Spurrier's. All kind of stuff going on with Florida Victorious this week. Link is in the description to join and of course gators breakdown plus hey you have some of those chats with us you get ad free episodes access that discord server extra episodes as well q a all that good stuff right there gators breakdown plus link is in the description to that as well and here we are again on gators breakdown with an opponent preview and joining me this week to preview the tennessee volunteers my good buddy mike laval from last word on sports been a little bit of gaps since he's been able to join us here on Gators Breakdown to talk Tennessee, and now he's back at it. Um, unfortunately for Florida fans, uh, when, when Tennessee is kind of way up here now and, and Florida's kind of 
you know, we, we switched places, Mike. You know, for for a little while it was Florida when you when you were on the podcast, but now you, now you're on the podcast and you got a little bit of mojo with the team now. For a little while, for many years, uh, Tennessee <laughs> fans would tell you it was an eternity. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, with an Orange Bowl win last year, a, a big win in Knoxville, breaking a couple of streaks a few years ago, uh, Tennessee fans are cautiously optimistic. I, I, I don't think after the previous twenty years, no Tennessee fan is unabashedly optimistic, but cautiously optimistic that this program has the uh, the depth and the talent to sustain. A, a, a long, uh, or at least a you know a, a period of success, a sustained period of success. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see how they face their first real road test under the Hypo era in Gainesville. Uh, we'll see if they have have what it takes to to get that elusive first win in Gainesville in quite some time. Yeah, going for the first back to back since 0304, the Ron Zook years there are, are Tennessee. So Mike, take us back just a second. You know. Ha- Josh Heupel, you know, comes in, and I don't think maybe eventually getting to the point to where Tennessee was at last year, but maybe not as fast as it got there. Um, well, it, it probably you know, put a little bit of a fast track on it. You know, anything not as good as last year would probably be a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, but you know, just uh, take us back to last year and the kind of where the program is at now, and and this turnaround that he's led. It's it. Was it surprising how it all came together in year two and and maybe now piecing it together and, and building on that? I think for Vols fans, it was it was unexpected. But I think if you look at the landscape of college football, you see these good quality coaches come in and the turnarounds aren't very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you know, Dion's I think Dion's an exception at Colorado. But if you look at if you look at some other good, solid hires. Uh, to really effectively turn a program around, it really only takes two or three years, particularly in the portal era when you can when you can re-engineer your uh, your uh, roster in an off season. Um, uh, specifically for Hypo, I think there was a lot of um, there was a lot of after, like I said, after a decade of dysfunction and really twenty years of, of disappointment for Tennessee fans. You look at Hypo; he's coming out of UCF, not not necessarily a big name. Um, you look at the stats at UCF, they kind of regressed the three years he yeah. was there. Um, the AD Danny White comes from UCF. You feel like he hires Hypel only because he can't get anybody else. But if you look at it in retrospect, you really shouldn't be surprised because the turnaround uh, in this day and age happens pretty quick. The, the, the best thing Hypel did, and he, actually Hypel didn't do it, was to get Hendon Hooker on the roster. Um, Tennessee had a lot of talent last year, uh, particularly the skill position. Guys like to play in the Hypel style offense, offensive players, because you're going to get your numbers. But, uh, you know, Hendon Hooker was able to cover a lot of things, much the same way Joshua Dobbs was in the Butch Jones era. Uh, I think this year, uh, you know, there's a lot more talent across the board. Uh, but, but you know, Josh Heupel in a system with a guy like Hendon Hooker, uh, you know, who doesn't have maybe the, the marketing aspect to him, it doesn't have the, the flash or the flash of a Caleb Williams or the big arm of like a Josh Allen or something, uh, but he can throw the deep ball effective. He, he's super accurate and he can get some yards on the ground when he needs to. Uh, so a guy like Hooker, I think with a Heupel offense, if you get the right people in the right spots, it can be uh, incredibly 
reasonably effective. So uh, Hypo, I think, has a good system. It, it, tests, uh, it tests the other team. I've been a fan of Hypo in the last two years. Uh, his coaching is, is clear and apparent. Uh, the game plan is good. If you look at the first quarters of last year, uh, Tennessee was very successful against its opponents, and that's game mm-hmm. planning. And then if you look at a guy like Hendon Hooker, I, I just he, he can't be overstated uh, how important he was to that program last year. Why Virginia Tech let him go, I, I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe he's not a practice player. I don't know. But uh, uh, but he was able to run that off. It was the perfect fit. So uh, was it surprising? Yes, because Tennessee fans were used to two decades of of dysfunction at some point. Um, but but it started clicking, and and you know, it was just it was just a perfect fit. And to be quite honest with you, I, I think Hypo has a roster uh, that is set up for uh, sustained success. So, yes, it was a pleasant surprise. I think Tennessee fans enjoyed it, and I think they're looking forward to uh, a period of sustained success uh, going forward. Yeah, that would certainly get started on the right track of, of getting, like she said, that, that elusive win in Gainesville. Uh, we'll see you know, what happens there on Saturday. And look, it won't happen uh, unless Joe Milton, you know, comes to Gainesville and and and, and probably puts together a good game here uh, in, in the swamp. And where, where are you at with him? Of course, you just mentioned everything Hendon Hooker meant to the program, and now it's a transition to Joe Milton. Uh, and you know, transferred from Michigan, had his shot early on, lost his job, and now gets the job back when Hooker leaves. Uh, how much can he prove on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, this opponent breakdown is going to be really easy for Gators Breakdowns fans. <laughs> this game rides on Joe Milton's accuracy, period, end of story. If Joe Milton's accurate on Saturday, Tennessee is going to win the game. That, that's yeah. just the bottom line. If Joe Milton's not accurate on Saturday, Florida has a really good shot of winning the game. The, the bottom line this is this game re- relies on Joe Milton's accuracy. Uh, the Virginia game, and, and you know, Florida's not Virginia. I, I get that. No Tennessee fan thinks Florida's Virginia, but he was he was very accurate in that game. Great stat line. Tennessee kind of took their foot off the pedal in uh, middle of third quarter, early fourth quarter. Uh, last week, however, against Austin P, he was he was not super accurate. Couple drops as well. Uh, but but you know uh, Joe Milton coming out of um, uh, Central Florida, just outside of uh, Orlando, I believe, playing high school ball, going up to Michigan. If he's accurate. Uh, against the Gators' defense, if he has time and he's accurate, uh, Tennessee's going to be able to to get that elusive victory. Where am I at on Joe Milton? Uh, Yeah, Here's the thing with Joe Milton. I I, I like him. I'm all about him being QB1. Uh, Great kid, great character. Uh, All the arm talent in the world. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, when it comes to just pure arm talent, he's he's a top-10 guy in the world, like Aaron Rodgers, um, Josh Allen, uh, the the guy can throw a football literally I mean, eighty five, almost very similar to what we talked about Anthony Richardson for Florida last year. Yeah, yeah, uh, the guy can throw the ball eighty five yards in the air. Uh, just uh, just a, a, an incredible. Arm. It, it looks like a flip of the wrist. I, I, I've been watching football a long time. That that guy is all the arm talent in the world. Uh, you know, he's just got to put it together um, on the accuracy aspect, the short passes. Uh, I'll tell you, Austin P played a too high safety look. I, I think Florida would be wise to play the same thing to force. Force the uh, force the reads down into the middle of the field, uh, short patterns. Uh, it's because it really comes down to his accuracy. If he can execute those passes, uh, Tennessee's got the talent on the outside. They're good enough on the offensive line to give him three seconds uh, a pass through. And uh, you know, I don't think the Florida offense can keep up with the points Tennessee can put on the board 
if Joe Milton's accurate. So that, that's where I'm at with Joe Milton. He, it's really his season. Uh, Nico Iamaleva is not ready yet. I don't think <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, he got a little, he got in a little bit in the Virginia game, but uh, it's really Joe Milton's season uh, for him to do as, as well as he can do. And, and, and he has, he's one of those guys. He's got the potential to end up on the stage in New York uh, in December. If he can just put it all together, all the talent in the world, uh, he's just got to put it together. He's got to put it together on the field. Uh, maybe, maybe he's ready. We'll see. Uh, you know, the, the, this this will be his first test of this season. He's been tested before. He started. Uh, he started two years ago. Um, got got a little bit hurt. Uh, he came into the game two years ago. Uh, you know, in, there in Gainesville after the Hendon Hooker injury. Uh, remember that and really enjoy uh, Gators breakdown hosting uh, hosting me at the at the tailgate there. But uh, this will be his first test of this season. And he's a streaky guy, so you know it, it'll be important for Gators fans to to watch how he goes on that first one or two possessions. If he starts connecting, uh, you know it, he could be in for a big night. If he's not accurate those first two first two drives, you know he's again he's a streaky player, so it might take that Tennessee offense time to, to get in rhythm. Yeah, I mean it could look a lot different than it did last year too. You had Hendon Hooker at quarterback, and now it's Joe Milton. Florida had Patrick Tony at defensive coordinator. Now it's Austin Armstrong, so a lot of newness going on in that matchup. Mike, quickly, any thoughts on his legs? I know probably the first two games he hasn't really needed needed to use them. Don't no no self and put him in in that situation. If it comes to it, what's the you know can, can his legs be a factor as well? Yeah, so you mentioned kind of the Anthony Richardson comparison. Uh, it's it's very fair in this case. Joe Milton's a tremendous athlete, just a tremendous athlete. He can he he's he's uh may, he's probably maybe not as fast as Hendon Hooker, but he's more powerful runner. So you know it, the legs when it comes down to third and seven. You know, if he can, if he can get in, if he can get past the line of scrimmage, he's a guy that can uh, turn four or five yards into seven or eight yards and get that critical first down late in the third quarter, middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, that kind of seals the game or, or gets them in striking distance if he has to. He can make plays with his legs. He's a very strong runner. He, he's a he's a pretty large guy. Again, like Anthony Richardson, he you know, this isn't a, this isn't a Drew Brees out there. This is not a 180 pound quarterback. He's you know he's <laughs> He's going uh, well north of 220, and uh, you know he had a he had a he had a Derrick Henry like stiff arm in the Virginia game. So he's a powerful guy. He's very strong, great athlete. He can make plays with his legs. He hasn't very often in this offense. Yeah. Um, Hypo does like to run the quarterback a little bit, but not as much as you would think from from that style of offense. Hendon Hooker uh, was able to make plays when he needed. Uh, and so I think Hypo prefers for his quarterbacks to make plays with their legs when they're needed. He will call some plays. Uh, they've they've run the speed option a couple times. Um, you know they've run quarterback draws. They can. They will. But they're not gonna they're not gonna run him. Uh, ex, you know, they're not gonna run him to the level of uh, you know a, a flex bone and option uh, or even uh, you know, the, the offense that Mike Vick ran at Virginia Tech. That's not gonna happen. But if he uh, on the breakdowns on the pass breakdowns, if he has to get some yards, he can do it. The difference is he's a little bit more like Richardson than Hooker in that he's a little bit more powerful of a runner than uh, than, than fleet of foot. You know, Hinton Hooker was a little bit more like Johnny Manziel, uh, kind of that grease gazelle going down the sideline. Hooker's a little bit – or uh, I'm sorry, Milton's a little bit more like Anthony Richardson. He's not afraid to put his pad down and, and kind of get those last two or three hard yards. Mike, going to something that can really help him there, Jabari Small, Jalen Wright. When you think of – it's the misconception. We talked about it earlier this week on Gators Breakdown. 
everybody wants to talk about the passing attack for Tennessee, but it's really the run game that gets this offense going. Yeah, Tennessee's got 515 yards over the first two games, two, you know, over two, almost 260 yards a game. And again, I get it, Austin P, Virginia, not great teams, uh, but Tennessee has made a focus on the first two games of establishing the run game. Uh, I, it, what you know, probably the second biggest difference from last year to this year is having that that three headed monster at running back. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to rotate three guys in this offense if you want to have an effective run game. All three of those guys, uh, you know, they kind of look the same, and then they each have kind of their own roles as well. Daylon uh, Simpson Sampson has really come in uh, down in the red zone. He's a little bit more powerful, the runner of the two. Jalen Wright and Jabari Small can both uh, break the big plays. Uh, a, a real good running back core. I think you'll see Tennessee try to establish the run game early. Uh, again, I, a lot of people think Heupel's offense is 75% pass, 25% rush. It's not. Uh, you know, if you gave him the option, it would be 50-50 down the middle, and, and he'd look for you know he'd look for uh, 152 yards, 200 yards rushing, and 300 350 yards passing a game. That's that's how he would draw it up if you let him. Uh, that 50-50 run pass split. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line, uh, maybe not as good as last year, but I think good enough uh, to get to establish a run game. Um, you know, it really. And with, of, with that, with that, Mike, since you went to the offensive line, it sounds like Cooper Mays is going to be back at center. So, what does that mean for him to be back? But his first start of the season being in the swamp. Of course, he's got the experience, but you'd like to have some experience with your starting five going into your first big road test. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting, and Tennessee did this last year a lot. They kind of rotate their guys on the offensive line a lot. So two two guys played at center last Saturday against Austin P. Cooper Mays obviously coming in uh, a preseason All-SEC, uh, probably their best offensive lineman since they lost Darnell Wright in the first round of the NFL draft last year. It'll be a big boost to Tennessee. Um Again, they played two guys at center last Saturday. For me, I don't mind rotating your guys on the offensive line if they're guards and tackles. Uh, but yeah. for me, you know, as a football guy, I, I kind of like consistency at the center position. That the center is super, you know, super important. He makes the reads on the he makes the protection reads unless you're Peyton Manning. Then Peyton Manning makes all the reads. But you know, <laughs> this, you know, the center makes all the protection reads on most teams. Um, and it's just a different skill set with snapping the ball. And uh, you know, playing that zero technique if you play a zero technique defense, or uh, helping out the guards on a non-zero technique defense. So I, I like the consistency at center. Cooper Mays is definitely the best center on the team, um, and then that that allows Tennessee to rotate uh, their guards and tackles as they see fit for the rest of the game. It's kind of interesting. You'll see Tennessee rotate their offensive line at the guard and tackle position a lot more than most other teams do, but they do prefer to have Cooper Mays there uh, anchoring that offensive line at center. So it, it, it'll be a big benefit. I'm not worried about it being his first game. Uh, he has a ton of experience, uh, you know, comes from a football family. Uh, his dad was an all-SEC lineman at Tennessee as well. So I, I'm not worried about it being his first game of the season. He, he'll be fine there. I just, you know, worry about his health more than anything. Squirrel White, Brew McCoy out there at receiver. Lost some key playmakers uh, for, from last year in, in that group, but – they look great performance in the Orange Bowl by Squirrel White to kind of put his name on the map and lead the team in catches so far. It looks like maybe with you know counting that Orange Bowl and two games so far this year might be might be Milton's favorite target so far. Yeah, well, well the reason he's Milton's favorite target is because he's super fast. He can, yeah. he can he can cover those eighty yards in about four seconds. So you know he he can he's the one guy that Joe Milton probably can't outthrow. Tennessee's uh, <laughs> wide receivers, a very unique group, highly skilled. Uh, Ramel Keaton kind of steps into that Jalen Hyatt role uh, that Hyatt did so well last year. Squirrel White again, he's the deep threat. He can get out there. Although they will throw it to him uh, on the line of scrimmage, and, and when they do that, they're looking for him to break a tackle because if he breaks that one tackle on the edge. 
you know, if the other receiver can get that block, you know, he, he's going to go however long. Nobody's going to catch him. And then you got Brew McCoy, the transfer from USC two years ago. Uh, he's a big body. Uh, he's a big body. So he's the guy that they look forward to on third and four when they got to get that slant for the first down. He's a guy that can go across the middle, catch the ball, and then body his way to a first down. So those three guys, Keaton White, McCoy, those are the the three stars. McKaylin Castles had a touchdown uh, last week against Austin P. And, and don't forget Jacob Warren. If Florida goes to that too high safety look that Austin P. used, look for Jacob Warren to be successful across the middle across the middle from the tight end position. And then Dante Thornton has a touchdown as well. So so of all the positions that Tennessee has, wide receiver is probably their deepest and most talented position, much like it was last year, even though they lost two key pieces to the draft. Mike, just to keep it generic, when we move to the other side of the ball, hey, look, with, with, with Josh Heupel as your head coach, offense seems to be, and rightfully so, probably the, the, the key point everybody wants to talk about. But that jump on defense – from Hypo year one to Hypo year two was probably even a bigger surprise. You talked about it. Hypo's got the offensive background. You're probably going to end up figuring offense out along the way anyway, but the jump on defense was probably what took this team as far as they really did. Yeah, well, for sure. Uh, yeah, well, I'd argue Hooker took him as far well, as it yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, I told you earlier. You made that point, you made that point earlier, yes. Yeah, sure, but yeah. sure. I told you earlier that the depth at running back was the second biggest improvement you're going to see from last year's game to this year's game. The single, and it's by far the single biggest difference from last year's game to this year's game is going to be the quality of the Tennessee defense. They look much improved. They just uh, they just hammered Virginia. Again, I got it. Virginia's not a very good team, uh, but Tennessee's defense just suffocated Virginia all day long. Uh, they did very well against Clemson in the bowl game last year. Uh, they certainly weren't flipping burgers. They were sacking the quarterback every other play. Uh, so you're going to see Tim Banks' defense. I, I think I think Florida fans will notice how much different it is from last year. Uh, Anthony Richardson had a pretty good day in the air. I, I will tell you, if I were Florida, just like on the defensive side, my recommendation would be to play that too high safety look. Uh, on the offensive side, if I'm Florida, I would try. Yeah, you got to establish the run game early uh, against that Tennessee defense. They're, uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. They're a little bit faster than the Utah defense. Um, maybe not as big across the board. They do have some size in the middle with Omari Thomas and Kurt Garland. Um, and then on the, they're probably not as good on the back end as the Utah defense, but they're they're improved in the secondary. And then the linebacker position, Aaron Beasley, he's just uh, you know he's I think he leads the nation maybe in tackles for loss, but he's he's a guy he's a wrecking ball. He's a little bit undersized for a middle linebacker, but super fast. He's super smart. You know he's got what they call the football smarts that uh, Aaron Beasley can. He he just he's very good at sniffing out the play and, and, and knowing where it's going to go. So he's kind of the captain of that defense. Uh, but it's quick. It's big in the middle. Again, not as big as Utah across the board, but big where they need to be in the middle of the defensive line. And I think I think for Florida, uh, if it were me, I would focus on establishing a tough run game early. And I know you know it, it might not show dividends in the first quarter or the second quarter, but as long as the Florida defense can get can keep Tennessee from getting too far ahead, establishing that run game and maybe tiring down that defense, which already has to play a lot of plays because of the way the offense plays, I think would be a smart move for Florida. Um, I, I think if, again, you know, I, I, I've watched Graham Mertz two games now. I'm, I'm not sure that he can outduel Joe Milton. So I think he's really going to need an effective run game uh, for Florida to, to threaten Tennessee in the swamp, if, and particularly if Joe Milton's accurate. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with, with Mertz. He, when he was brought to Florida, I was like, you can't ask him to go win a whole bunch of games. And then if Tennessee is 
rolling, then absolutely. I think Florida, much like last year, Florida didn't run the ball well, but I do think you know with Mertz, you're gonna have to sustain some drives with the passing game. If Florida's done that the first couple of games against Utah, they just couldn't finish in the red zone. Uh, and then last week versus McNeese, and kind of going to your point about Virginia and Austin P. Yeah, we know it was McNeese, but. It was a long, sustained drive to keep the offense on the field. And, hey, look, if Florida can replicate that, keep the offense on the field for eight, nine, ten play drives, that's a win for Florida as long as they put the ball in the end zone to keep that Tennessee offense on the sideline. But, Micah, is it really just as easy, uh, I think, for both teams looking at this as whoever wins? And, look, for however many years it was, the team who ran the ball for the most yards won this game. But looking at these two teams right now, it really looks that way for this game. Who might rush? Whoever rushes for the most yards probably will come out as the victor. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think so. Um, I, I'm not super convinced of that. To me, it's really, you know, if Joe Milton is 70% or more completion rate, I think Tennessee wins the game, period, end of yeah. story, no matter how many yards Florida rushes for. I, I think the rushing battle – comes into play if Joe Milton is under 70% completion. If, if, if Joe Milton gotcha. can't connect over uh, more than two-thirds of his passes, I, it might come down to who can rush the ball better. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I really haven't seen a lot of the Florida Russian attack, and I didn't see it. It didn't look too effective. Well, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't there versus Utah, so that's why. Right. <laughs> so you know, I, I've I've seen I've seen Tennessee be able to rush the ball twice. Uh, I have not seen Florida rush the ball against Utah. I think Tennessee's defense is maybe not as good as Utah, but possibly comparable to Utah. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so to your to your comment about who rushes the ball better, only if Joe Milton is under 70% completion rate. I, I think the key, so that might be the second key of the game. I think the first key is the first thing you want to look at on Sunday in the box score is what was Joe Milton's completion percentage. Yeah. Well, Mike, if you look, they're almost mirror images of each other right now with Milton and, and Graham Mertz. Uh, I, I got the numbers here. Milton, 42 is 63, basically 67% completion yep. percentage. So 42 is 63 for Milton. Mertz, 45 is 61. He's at about 74%, so about eight percentage points higher. 6.8 yards attempt for Milton, 8.6 yards per attempt for Mertz. So, you know, it's... Stat-wise, Milton's got four touchdowns, no picks. Mertz, two touchdowns, one one pick. But, I mean, a look at it there, there there's not a lot of separation uh, when, when you look at the two. And, look, there's only been two games right now. It's a small window that we're comparing. But, you know, coming into this game, that, that's, that's what we have to look at. So maybe if one can separate themselves from that stat line a bit, uh, that, that, might, that might get to uh, – might, might get a victory uh, for one of those quarterbacks. Uh, hey, guys, everybody – if you're, uh, I know we kind of sound like a Tennessee love fest now. That's what we do when we have our guest on right here. But Mike will bring it to you. Mike will, in, see, he, Mike will call it like it is. Uh, I've, I've worked with him for years at Last Word on Sports. We even started SEC Breakdown before Gators Breakdown was a thing. Mike, what are your opinions of Billy Napier? Uh, you know, second year, you mentioned the second, you know, year for Hypo being, you know, a lot of times when you see the turnaround, you see it right away. Starts year off, year two off, kind of slow with, with with the loss to Utah. Of course, he had to bring it up from Dan Mullen, and he did. He decided you know, not to go heavy transfer route. Decided to go, we're going to build this through high school recruiting. We're going to we're going to tear it down and, and build it back up that way. So that might lend itself to a little bit of a slower pace of a rebuild. But at the same time, we know it's a tough schedule. But 
there's not a lot of patience in, in, in Gator Nation. So h- how do you see, how do you assess so far what Billy Napier's done at Florida? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard. Uh, you know, Billy Napier comes from, you know, he's a Tennessean. So, uh, you know, I don't want to be too <laughs> critical. Uh, he comes from the same hometown as actually Watson and Mac Brown uh, for Florida fans who don't know a place called Cookville, Cookville, Tennessee, uh, home of Watson and, and Mac Brown. Uh, I, I think Billy Napier is a good coach. I think you hit on it though. I think what Billy Napier hasn't been able to do at Florida is manage the current era of college football. I don't think he's been able to leverage the portal well. And at a place like Florida, you should be able to manage the the portal well. You have a lot of uh, you have a lot of strengths at Florida. It's a solid program. Uh, I think you guys have some newer facilities uh, over the last ten years. Um, so you should be able to go to the portal and get somebody. Uh, again, Graham Mertz is probably a pretty good quarterback. You know, I've watched the first two games with him. If you're Billy Napier and you're in Florida, having the tradition of quarterbacks you have, I would think you could go get a guy a little bit better than Graham Mertz. You know, maybe that's a little bit frustrating for some of your fans to hear, but you know, a guy like me who grew up watching, you know, the Steve Spurrier era, another coach from Tennessee, uh, which just breaks my heart. Uh, but you know, growing up in the '90s and 2000s and seeing that Steve Spurrier offense with Rex Grossman and Jesse Palmer and all those guys who broke my heart year after year after year, I just think of Florida as a place where you should be able to get a top-flight quarterback uh, to go out and get a guy, pry Der- uh, Drake May away from Notre Dame or pry Sam Hartman away from Wake Forest. You know, I mean, who I'm, you know, if it were me, would I rather play in cold? snowy south bend or would i rather play in sunny gainesville that's that's me i don't know maybe 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 sam hartman likes snow i don't know but anyways uh i think billy napier's biggest fault is he hasn't really been able to go out and and leverage the portal like other top coaches have like i said earlier tennessee hypo was able to go get brew mccory out of usc a couple top tier offensive linemen so he's he's used the portal to plug places of need I, I don't think Billy Napier has been able to do that in Florida. And at a school like Florida, you should be able to do that because the, the program sells itself. Uh, you know, as, as, as painful as that is for me to say as, as a diehard Tennessee fan, the Florida program should sell itself. And I, I think from an X's and O's perspective, I think Billy Napier is a great coach. From a locker room perspective, I think Billy Napier is a great coach. What I think he lacks, lacks – and what I think is hurting the program right now is his ability to leverage the modern era of college football uh, to, to get the program up with the elites. Uh, yeah, you know, I know uh, uh, the new director of NIL there uh, hosted him on his road trip last year. Uh, epic road trip, uh, great guy. Uh, you know, so I know you guys are my, my good friend Ben Chase. Yes, Ben Chase. Uh, yep. Ben was at Army Navy with me last year. It was great to great to spend some time with him. I know he's working the NIL initiative yeah. at Florida. I, I think once that gets in place, you know, if, if Napier can figure out how to manage the portal, I think that'll get you guys a little bit closer to where you want to be up there with Tennessee and Georgia in the SEC East and competing for SEC championships again. So that, that's my take on Billy Napier. Locker room, I think he's a great coach. X's nose, I think he's a great coach. I just think he's having trouble managing you know the, the current era of college football yeah he moved into it like you know he didn't have to deal with that at louisiana uh and plus you know first of all you didn't you kind of came to florida when the transfer portal was just gearing up right. and like i said part of it is he decided to, to to go a different route with it as well uh don't get me wrong he did have some misses in the transfer portal going to your point as well so uh yeah we'll be interested to see interesting to see how it all plays out there 
uh, for, for, for Billy Napier. And maybe it starts Saturday night with a win over Tennessee. And, uh, and Mike, probably something puts probably something Tennessee fans, if they're listening to this, that probably will go towards your guys there is you won't be there. And, <laughs> and, and, and lately when you've been, get to see your team in yeah. person. It's been kind of a bad luck charm. Yeah, I was uh, I was at South Carolina last year. I think I was hanging out with your uh, brother-in-law, I think. Yes. That's yep, correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And yep. congratulations on their wedding a couple weeks yeah, ago. Recently. Is that right? Yeah. So yep. congratulations yep. on that. It's super. I really appreciate them hosting me. And, uh, you know, I, it was funny. I was in Columbia last year for the Tennessee game, and uh, I, I watched Michigan barely hold on against uh, Illinois, I believe, or Minnesota maybe. And, uh, and then TCU, I think, won on the last play of the game, I think a 50-yard field goal against somebody. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, we win this game. We are right there in the three spot maybe, definitely the four spot. You know, we're, we're there. Both Michigan and TCU pulled out their games at the last minute. I was like, ah, that you know, if we win big against South Carolina, we might actually jump one of those teams. And then we went out and, and Spencer Rattler just played the I, the game of his career. I mean, he, the guy yeah. couldn't miss. He was it was incredible. I was actually at I actually stayed at the South Carolina team hotel the night before, and I'm sitting there uh, in the lobby, you know, having uh, having a, a drink, and uh, I see Coach Beamer and Spencer Rattler. I was like, man, this is my chance. Just pull the alarm at 2 a.m. Pull it again at 4. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking, no, one, you're too old for that. Two, two, Tennessee's good enough. We can win this game on our own. And then at the end of that game, uh, I was like, I should have pulled the alarm. I definitely <laughs> should have pulled the alarm. But Spencer Rattler just had the game of his life. That game could not miss. Uh, uh, it was incredible. Uh, so, yeah, and then the last time, of course, I was up with you guys. Hendon Hooker gets hurt. Joe Milton's not able to close the game out in the fourth quarter. I uh, appreciate you guys hosting me at your uh, Harmonic Woods tailgate. Yeah, yeah. We'll miss tailgates. you. We'll, we'll miss you there this time. One of the great tailgates in all of college football. So if you're a Tennessee fan, please swing by there. Uh, if you pay them 20 bucks, they'll play Rocky Top, and I, I always appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, and go see Gators break down David Waters there at Harmonic Woods. And then, uh, yeah, so – but I was at the Orange Bowl, and we, uh, we won oh, that one. We won that one convincingly to the to the to the ire of uh, of about fifty to seventy five Clemson fans who were all around me in, in the seating section. So uh, so I, I'm uh, I'm currently on a one and zero streak. Uh, broke my go. broke my zero and two streak. So, uh, so all right. So maybe maybe it is a good thing you're not yeah, there then. Yeah, for you guys, maybe <laughs> for you guys. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Mike, uh, let, 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 us, let us know what you guys got going on. The uh, last word on sports, last word on college football. Your kind of newish role there, not necessarily. Cover strictly Tennessee anymore, but what you got, what you guys have going on there, college football wide. Yeah, please, please, please check out uh, last word on college football when you get a chance. Uh, have have always had a great working relationship with Dave Waters at Gators Breakdown. Provide coverage of uh, a lot of teams and uh, breaking news in college football. Uh, it's a place where you're going to get college football coverage. Honestly, you know, it's it's not about um, marketing a, a, a individual writer's name or or any of the stuff that the big people do now. It's just uh, people giving you honest and 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 and. Uh, uh, honest advice and honest analysis on college football. Check us out last word on college football. You can always check me out at Mike L underscore LWS. We'll talk, we'll talk sports. We'll talk football. A lot of, a lot of Florida fans that uh, follow Dave also follow me. And it's always good during Florida week to have that interaction. So, so uh, please check out last word on college football. Please hit me up at Mike L underscore LWS. Tell me what I got wrong. Tell me what you're looking for, looking forward to for the game. And uh, let's talk a little bit about football. Cause there's nothing, nothing better in life. Despite what Conan says, there is nothing better in life than college football <laughs> absolutely absolutely mike laval last word on college football joining us right here on gators breakdown previewing the tennessee volunteers as they travel to the swamp take on the gators saturday night 
As a better, you demand perfection. And MyBookie delivers. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system gives you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, wouldn't then cash out early, use the funds on another bet, or just let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join the MyBookie family for an entire season filled with odd boosts, free bets, and super contests. This season, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code GATERS on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Bet your deposit amount once, and you're ready to cash out at any time. Again, that's at MyBookie using promo code GATERS to claim your cash deposit bonus today. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Hey, HelloFresh, they got it all going for you. If you work a full-time job, you got a family, you need all the time that you can get, well, Gators Breakdown is bringing you HelloFresh. I mean, look, you need all the time you can get out there. Everybody's busy, school back in session, football season. Well, HelloFresh wants you to have it all. Free time, easy and fresh, tasty food. So they take care of the meal planning, deliver all the ingredients for you, no trip to the store needed. When you need dinner fast, don't call for delivery. Think HelloFresh. Fast and fresh recipes are ready in just 15 minutes or less. Take your pick from 40 weekly recipes that suit your lifestyle, from veggie to family-friendly to fit and wholesome. Right now is the time to join. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators and use code 50Gators for 50% off, plus 15% off your next two months. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators. Use code 50Gators for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Get your time back with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Good to catch up with Mike and learn about those Tennessee volunteers coming to the swamp right here on Saturday night. Hey, let's get into the matchup. Take a look at some stats right here. Stat comparison. Look, it's only through two games and... Of course, the schedule not all that tough yet, but here we go. We'll just take a look at where is it, what it is so far. Total offense, Tennessee 26th in the country, Florida 20, 40th in the country. Tennessee 477, basically 478 yards of total offense a game. Florida at 453. Tennessee scored about 40 points a game. That's good for 30th in the country. Uh, Florida about 10 less than that, 30 points a game. 65th in the country. Rushing offense, look at Tennessee right there. Fourth in the country right now at 257.5, 258 yards a game basically for Florida. 170 yards a game, that Utah game coming into play there big time. Florida's passing offense, hey, 39th in the country, 283 yards a game right here from Graham Mertz mostly, uh, of course, in the passing offense for Tennessee. 81st in the country, 222 yards a game. Uh, keep it going there. Touchdown to interception ratio. That's where Tennessee, you know, they don't turn the ball over. Uh, hopefully, Florida can turn those fortunes this week. Touchdown to interception ratio, four touchdown passes for Joe Milton. No interceptions. Florida 72nd in the country there. Two touchdown passes, one interception. Total defense for the Gators, as I said, um, playing Utah and holding Utah down. McNeese as well. Florida has the third total defense in the country right now, 191 yards a game. Hopefully that keeps up, of course. It won't be that low, of course, <laughs> but uh, great, great start to the season. Scoring defense, Tennessee 23rd in the country, giving up 13. Florida 37th in the country, giving up 15.5 points per game. Rushing defense there for the Gators, 22nd in the country, giving up 75.5 
yards a game. Tennessee, 32, 87 yards a game. They're giving up on the ground. Passing defense, Florida, eighth in the country, only 115, 116 yards, basically uh, gaining on Florida through the air. Tennessee, 46 in the country, 183 yards a game. Uh, keep it going here, of course, turnover margin. Uh, Tennessee sitting at zero. Two takeaways. One of them interceptions. Sacks allowed. Big part of the game here. Florida 90. You got to go back to the Utah game, of course. Florida didn't give up any versus McNeese, but sacks allowed. Florida 95th in the country. Tennessee 26th in the country. Protecting Joe Milton. Only been sacked uh, two times. Or one time. One time. Graham Mertz, of course, five times versus Utah. Opponent red zone uh, percentage. Tennessee, that's where their defense excels. 19th in the country, 66.7%. Florida, 93rd in the country. At 100%. Not great. Uh, but, of course, you know, McNeese starting in great field position last week for one of their scores right there in the red zone. Utah taking advantage in game one as well. Sacks. Florida, 105th in the country. Not great right now, of course. Uh, two sacks. And then Tennessee, number one in the country right now with sacks with 11. Against Austin P and Virginia, 11 sacks. They're number one in the country, and they're also number one in tackles for loss right now. 25 tackles for loss already in two games for Tennessee. Very, very active defense up front are the Vols. All right, so for the second straight season, let's get into some of these matchups and players a little bit. For the second straight season, Tennessee is starting a sixth-year senior at quarterback. This time it's Joe Milton takes the reins. In his first start this season versus Virginia, accounted for 234 yards of total offense, four touchdowns. Last week versus Austin P, 11 consecutive completions over the course of two scoring drives in the second quarter. Took him a while to get going, uh, but uh, Milton is tied for first in the SEC in rushing touchdowns with three, and that's second among FBS quarterbacks this season as well. Milton is thrown for at least one touchdown and rushed for at least one touchdown in the same game in two straight contests. So starting this season with a passing touchdown and rushing touchdown as well. You heard me talk with Mike. The stats from Milton and Mertz, very similar. Very, very similar. For Milton, 42 of 63. For Mertz, 45 of 61. Milton, 42 of 63. Mertz, 45 of 61. Milton, 429 yards. Mertz, 526. Mertz is 73.8% completion percentage. Milton, 66.7% completion percentage. Milton, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Mertz, two touchdowns, one interception. And for Mertz, 8.6 yards per attempt. And for Milton, 6.8 yards. Per attempt. So, look, both teams want to run the ball. And look, the quarterbacks don't play the quarterbacks, but there you go. <laughs> that's uh, that's just where, where they're at through the two games. Um, kind of on the different ends of the spectrum. Florida has played the better team so far with Utah. 
But you know, both teams want to run the ball, so of course the plan for each defense will be able to you know, stop that and make one of these quarterbacks win the game. Neither have relied on passes down the field through two games, so can either take advantage of that regard. That, that's, what, that's what I want to see. Um, talking to Mike, you heard that as well. You know, completion percentage is part of that. I also think, you know, average yards per completion, average yards per attempt, you know, how does that end up in this game? I think that might go a long way in determining this. Who can hit the explosives in the passing game? But both teams want to run the ball, of course. Both teams are built that way. And Joe Milton, look, that's not my worry, uh, honestly. Uh, it's, it's the Tennessee run game. Led by senior Jamari Small, junior Jalen Wright. Wright made his first career start in the season opener versus Virginia and did not disappoint. 115 yards on 12 carries, 9.6 yards to carry. All that up last week, 118 yards on 13 carries in the home opener versus Austin P. He's sitting at 233 yards and 9.3 yards in attempt in two games. Small sitting at 26 attempts for 162 yards, 6.2 average. But don't overlook sophomore Dylan Sampson. Three rushing touchdowns, one touchdown reception versus Virginia. You heard Mike say they got three running backs there to use Sampson in different kind of ways. It's small and right as your, as your two main backs, but watch if Tennessee gets into the red zone, sophomore Sampson coming in. But if it gets Virginia, four total touchdowns. So looking at it, there's Milton. There's your run game. But for Florida, and you watch how Tennessee plays and how they spread you out, look, we know tackling is better. The fundamentals of Florida's defense are certainly better. Tackling being way up there, probably top of the mark where we needed to see improvement. But this is a new test. When Tennessee lines up, you know, it's wide splits and, you know, tackling in space becomes even more important, especially in the secondary. Going to have plenty of one-on-one matchups. You're either in a running back coming out of the backfield, you're taking a run outside or a receiver catching the ball in space. And look, these defenders from Florida are going to have to win the battle and bring the offensive. But there's going to be some catches where, you know, okay, you, you, you'll, you'll live with the catch. you got to make the tackle right away. Get Tennessee's receiver on the ground right away, or it's off to the races. They do a, such a good job of spreading the defense out, leaving these situations to play out. Florida's defenders have to step up. They're going to try, you know, for Milton, you know, give him easy throws, work the edges, force Florida to defend the perimeter. And if you're going to play the game with defenders on an island and test Joe Milton's arm, test his accuracy, then when he does make a throw, when he does make a connection, you make the best of it. Limit yards after the catch. Like if, he, if he's struggling, you'd hate for the few that he does hit to go for big yards because of a missed tackle. He's going to hit some, but if he's inaccurate for the whole day, you don't want one or two plays to make the difference in this game. It's going to be a close game. And if he's not on target, don't, don't, don't give him a bailout. Make the tackle, get the, get, get the Tennessee offensive player on the ground. I'm eager to see for you know, Florida, this would be, we've seen it, but this time 
might be the first time by necessity is the rotation up front for Florida on defense. And you talked about you know, the emergence of Jamari Lyons in, in the first two games there. It gives Florida another body up front, but how does Florida rotate up front, keep those guys fresh? You know, if the Tennessee offense has got some momentum, then you best bet, you know, you, 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 you're, you're, your defensive line is going to be winded uh, a bit. So Jackson and Banks and McClellan and Lyons, Will Norman. I mean, Florida's going to probably need the whole arsenal up front. Eager to see, you know, how that plays out, how much it is needed, the shape Florida is in. We may not see it till the fourth quarter, but keep, keep an eye on it. Tennessee is able to kind of get, you know, some success on offense. And they got that speed and they got that tempo going. And look for Florida's rotation throughout the game and then how it affects in the fourth quarter. Now, something that kind of be on Florida's side here, something that hasn't taken off for Tennessee yet compared to years past under Heupel is that fast first quarter start. Outscored Virginia and Austin P only by a combined 10 to 3 in these two games to start the season. So, including that, including the 10 to 3 this year, the numbers are still astronomical for Tennessee and Heupel. Tennessee outscores opponents 341 to 126 in the first quarter under Heupel. And that's 190 to 51 in 2021. And last year, 141 to 72. Not off to a good start this year. The Vols have scored at least one touchdown in the first quarter in 25 of 28 games under Heupel. With the 2022 season games against Florida and Georgia, and this season's Austin P game being the only exception. They did score a touchdown on Florida last year in the first quarter. So Florida benefited last season by not letting Tennessee build up a fast lead that kept the comeback possible for Florida. Perhaps this year can, Florida can do the same and use it on a way to a win. But not off to a fast start. Now, now this is the first hostile environment they're going to play in. They played Virginia in that neutral site environment, or neutral, quote-unquote, air quotes, neutral site there in Nashville to open up against Virginia. And then, of course, the home game last week versus Austin P. but not off to a fast start, and now you got to go to the swamp. But my biggest worry, my biggest worry for Tennessee, it's not their offense. It is their defense. The offense gets all the love, but this is the side of the ball that concerns me the most in the matchup. And now, three seasons under defensive coordinator Tim Banks, the Vols lead the SEC in tackles for loss per game with 7.89. They have amassed 221 tackles for loss and 40 takeaways in the three seasons under Banks. That's two games this year and the previous two seasons. Last season, Tennessee only allowed 115.8 yards per game on the ground which was second in the SEC, 20th in college football, 115.8 yards a game. The Vols also boasted a red zone defense that ranked 13th in the country and third in the SEC. So when you look at this matchup for Florida, Florida likes to run the ball. Tennessee got a really good run defense, or has had, and we'll see. His first big test. Florida's had trouble in the red zone. Tennessee's defense excels in the red zone. Last year, 13th in the country. Off to a good start this year as well. In the season opener versus Virginia, Tennessee pit, pretty much picked up where they left off. I guess that Orange Bowl last year. Uh, but 
against Virginia, 11 tackles for loss, 11 tackles for loss for 44 yards, four sacks. Cavaliers managed just 95 yards on the ground, 2.4 yards a carry. Total of 10 players collected at least a half a tackle for loss against Virginia. Ooh. Week two versus Austin P. last week, Tennessee finished the game with 14 tackles for loss, a loss of 60 yards, seven sacks for a loss of 48 yards. That's both highs for in the Josh Heupel era. Second straight game with double-digit tackles for loss for Tennessee. I mentioned that red zone defense for Tennessee, only giving up one touchdown and six opponent red zone trips this year. Granted, not the greatest of offenses, but we know Florida's trouble in the red zone. So you got to just keep an eye on it. Doesn't mean it will play out that way, but something to keep an eye on, something they do good in, something Florida has struggled in. And look, for Florida, you can't settle for field goals versus Tennessee. If that offense gets rolling, you need touchdowns, not field goals. So some players to watch for Tennessee. Up front, let's go Tyler Barron. That's the name to watch for me. 79 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, two passes defended, one forced fumble in his career. Played in 38 games, made nine starts. Three solo tackles, including a sack and a win over Austin P. last week. And then the season opening victory versus Virginia, a career high with two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, three total tackles. He was the SEC defensive lineman of the week in week one with that performance versus Virginia. So very active defense up front. Tyler Barron, a big, big reason for that. And at the second level, linebacker Aaron Beasley led the Vols in tackles last season, already off to a great start this season, was against Austin P. last week. Nine tackles, eight of them solo, five tackles for loss, career-high two sacks, or tying a career-high with two sacks, his five tackles for loss against the Governors were the most by a Vol in a single game since 2004. Opening win versus Virginia, three tackles, a tackle for loss, career-high two pass breakups, 43 snaps in that game. He's made 181 career tackles with 27 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. Forced one fumble, has three fumble recoveries as well. 15 quarterback hurries, five pass breakups. So dating back to last season, he's just on a roll right now. Beasley, 10 tackles for loss in the last three games and 13 in his last five games. So he's got, that might be needed for Tennessee. Linebacker transfer Keenan Peely, transferred in from BYU. Hope I'm saying that name right. Started the Virginia game, but was injured in that game. Won't be available versus Florida. So there's a little bit of an injury update for Tennessee. Stepping in would be likely sophomore Elijah Herring. Herring led the team with five tackles versus Virginia. So I'm very interested. There's your players to look out for. How active Tennessee is. The tackles for loss numbers you heard. The sack numbers you heard. How does Florida attack this Tennessee defense? Try to come out and establish the run game. That's the best path to a victory for Florida in Billy Napier's tenure so far. One season in two games. Florida runs the ball, they win the game. Runs the ball well. 
Florida only ran for 3.4 yards carry last year versus the Tennessee defense. And after the Utah game, the, a pretty good defense in its own right, I'm not sure if Florida could run on Tennessee. That, that's my biggest worry right here. You know, of course, you know, certainly benefit Florida to get it going. Don't need to get into a pass game shootout. The chances of winning that are slim, given what we've seen from Billy Napier's offense so far at Florida. You can throw for 300 yards, but if you're not running, it hasn't equated to a win. But here's the the thing. For me, Florida needs to at least be able to run the ball in short yardage situations in in the red zone. Help your red zone offense. Stay on the field by converting short yardage. That alone would be an improvement from what we saw versus Utah. So look and see where Florida is on yardage-wise on third down. Need a lot of third and shorts. Then hopefully stymie that, that Tennessee havoc rate. You know, if Tennessee gets Florida in third and medium and third and long, if you thought the Utah game was bad with tackles for loss and sacks, it'd be worse with this one. Cannot get in third and long. Need to be third manageable, fourth and manageable. Stay on the field. Florida may be able to pile up yards once again between the 20s. But in order to score, I think the ground game is going to have to be there. If Florida can't run the ball, that's when everything just struggles. Putting points on the board is a struggle. Unless somehow Florida just starts hitting explosives better. Better than what we've seen. The yak is there. Can the yak turn in to touchdowns? That's something we haven't necessarily seen yet. You know, the 60-yard or break a tackle off to the races. We haven't seen that. We've seen a lot of yak, but it hasn't necessarily turned into a ton of scores. So the stat to look for, I think both teams struggling on third down. Just mentioned Florida and their third down struggles where I think they can help with the ground game. But Tennessee, not 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 that much better. Tennessee, 8-25 on third down. That ranks 108th in the country. Florida is 6-19. of 19, That ranks 110th nationally. So Tennessee's at 108. Florida's at 110. Some ugly third down offense right now. Small sample size for each team will either improve. So maybe watch that. If both are bad, then I think you're going to get this maybe ugly... Lower scoring game. If one team figures out third down, they're probably going to win the game. If the other stays where they're at. If both happen, then maybe we get that shootout that I don't think is really going to happen. That's the stat I think to look for. Look, look, look for third down. All right. Of course, Billy, Billy Napier needs this one. The, I think heading into a game, this is the first time he's had some pressure on him. First year, you get some passes. It's, it, it's year one. Year two, the plan starts coming together. There hasn't been much to grab on as a fan when it comes to on-field production just yet. And at the very least, you know, Billy Napier, the coach, still, still has a lot of questions to answer. When this one, some of that starts to go away, or at least trend in another direction. Lose this game, and those questions start to get answered even more. If you, don't, if you already don't like the direction it's heading in, Gator Nation needs something to cling to on the field. And so there's a lot of pressure on Billy Napier here. At least get this thing trending in the the other direction. Prove that you can win a big game. 
win a big game at home, win a rivalry game. That'll make the fan base feel a whole, whole lot better where this thing's going. Now, of course, Tennessee hasn't won back-to-back since 03-04. Coming in as a favorite right now in the swamp. Will Graham Mertz have time to throw? Can the Florida run game get going? That's my biggest question against this Tennessee front. And that's where I I go. That's my matchup of the game. And I don't like the matchup for Florida. And that's going to lead me to picking Tennessee 27-20 to get the win over Florida. The Utah game, look, I know Florida's got Kingsley back. Florida's at home. I think that helps in that regard. I think it keeps the game where it's it's a close fourth quarter game. I think it's a game into the fourth quarter. I'm going back and forth a lot on this one. I, I, I'll admit it. But I keep finding myself, I don't know how Florida wins the matchup up front versus Tennessee right now. Hopefully what we saw versus Utah was a mirage and Florida can block better in the pass game and the run game. But against this Tennessee front, I don't think this is the front you want to figure it out. This is the first time this starting unit for Florida has been together up front on offensive line. Kingsley back is a plus, but it's also the first time he's playing this year. And this offensive line is not what they were last year. Had trouble running against Tennessee last year. I know it's a different season, but I I think that carries over. Just how active Tennessee is up front, how they get to the quarterback, how they generate tackles for losses. I think Florida's just going to be fighting from behind the sticks too many times. And those deep passes that were, you know, it's a staple of Billy Napier's offense, I don't think are going to be there this game. So can Florida generate some, like I said, short yardage explosives? Intermediate yard explosives? Can you get some yak and, and those turn into points? I got to see it. I got to see it to believe it. And I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think the run game will be better. I don't think it will be, I don't think it'll be as, as much of a negative as it was versus Utah. Kingsley getting back there. That helps. Playing at home helps. I think, you know, a little bit of just makes it easier at home. So I think Johnson ETN will have a little more success, but I don't think it'll be enough. And I don't think you'll be able to live off the play action uh, with Mertz. And if the run game gets gets hit, I'm not sure. Still don't think Mertz is enough to go win the game. So that's where I'm going. And now look, that's not a hit on Mertz. It's just there's too much, too much pressure or too much history I've seen so far. Where Florida can't run the ball, they can't win the game under Billy Napier. And I don't think the run game gets going this game. So, unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you can come back at me on Sunday and you can laugh at me if you want. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll be a bullet sponge with that. Go ahead. If Florida wins, I don't care what I pick. <laughs> I don't care that I pick Tennessee. Uh, but uh, it's just the way I see it. I think Tennessee's defensive front will be too much Florida for Florida to handle, leading to a 27-20 victory. For Tennessee. Oof, that hurts. That hurts to pick. I can't tell I don't know if I've ever picked Tennessee to beat Florida at home. You know, since you know, we've grown up to watch football, Florida has beat Tennessee at home. 2001 game, of course, stands out. And just mentioned the 03, 04, back-to-back years, Tennessee. So, of course, one of those were in the swamp, but there's just not a lot of success for Tennessee in the swamp. So, hopefully, that swamp mojo gets back. Greer to Callaway, Franks to Cleveland. You know, Tennessee may have had the better teams those years, but did not end up on the winning side of those games. Hopefully that happens one more time right here when the Vols come to the Swamp. So 27-20, that's my prediction. 
I'm like 60-40 on that. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Milton either, uh, but I think the Tennessee run game is enough to be the separator there uh, where they do enough. Um, But I think Florida's defense, I think, plays better again. But I don't think the offense would generate enough for Florida to get this game as a victory. So, all right, that would do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. Find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown.